The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Dangerous World. I'm really excited to get into this topic here. Been uh, trying to talk about some secret society stuff, as usual, but uh, you know it's kind of tough to find societies that aren't talked about on the regular, and I think I found a good one here, tied in with a couple of others. Um, this is, of course, the 1001 group, and then the WWF. Okay. Now, when I'm referring to the WWF, I'm not referring to the World uh, Wrestling Federation or whatever the, that WWF was. Um, this is the Worldwide Foundation for Nature, or what it's known today as as the uh, World Wildlife Fund. Okay. Now, it sounds kind of like, uh, okay, what the hell is this? But it's actually really, really fascinating stuff. Okay. That's my trademarked word. I'm going to see if I can patent that word. Because the stuff that I look into, I find interesting, and I hope you do too. Um, now, the thing about this 1001 group, as you can probably imagine, there's 1001 members. They each throw down 10K, and then they're members for life, is what I understand here. Now, this is a society that really isn't talked about often. A lot of my sources come from ISGP, which is a really, really great website. I'll post a link in the Patreon for all the people that are uh, loyal supporters of the show, man, you know, there are some really, really weird people in this group, powerful, powerful people that also cross over a lot into like Opus Dei, uh, the Pilgrim Society. Actually, these two societies get compared to one another often because, you know, the Pilgrim Society, say, uh, you know, British and American society, a lot of the members that are part of each sect kind of intersect each other, right? You'll have members that are part of the British and the American societies when it comes to the Pilgrim Society. And a lot of these 1001ers are part of the Pilgrim Society too. So I kind of found that interesting because the Pilgrim Society, I thought was at the top of everything. And I'm not saying that 1001 is above them, but they're right around where they're at. It seems when you look at the people that are involved, you're like, well, shit, you know, what is going on here? They they kind of pose as this really nice group that just cares about the environment. And 
they directly relate to this WWF, which um, seems like they're front. And then like the high levels of this WWF are the top 1001 members that throw down this 10 K and then they get involved at some high levels and they do some weird, weird stuff. Now, this is legitimately one of the strangest clubs in the world on the surface. Okay. Um, there's a lot of th- things that seem noble to them. Um, but you dig in a little more and, and you start really seeing that, man, there is, uh, definitely some weird undertakings that they, that they are, are a part of. Supposedly, I mean, they, they protect endangered species. Uh, they fund anti poaching groups, things like that. But just like any other globalist group out there, um, you know, there's some claims that they commit crimes against humanity. And look at this like a comic book. Look at this as, uh, you know, this is just some nefarious group that has some accusations brought against it. I mean, you'll even find a lot of conspiratorial pages. Um, who was the one that I saw that talked about it? Stuff you should know, maybe something like that. And And it was saying that, you know, yeah, they get a lot of accusations thrown at them, but they seem clean to us, right? Now, of course, these guys have a massive YouTube channel. I'm not throwing any shade at them. Um, they they seem like they do what they do really well. So it's interesting to think that um, people don't really see through it. You know what I mean? Um, some of the things that they're allegedly guilty of, and again, I can't underline allegedly enough here. I'm not uh, you know trying to poke the bear too much, so to speak, but. I mean, again, allegedly funding and training militia groups, mostly on their own nature preserves, because as a uh, conservationalist group, they go out and they try to acquire land on behalf of the crown and on behalf of the United States, the West. Right. And and then they instead of, you know, trying to protect the animals there, maybe they hunt these animals. Right. Maybe they uh, they do some things that they that is actually the exact opposite of what they say that they're doing. Um, supposedly they buy land out from under indigenous people for literal pennies on the dollar, kind of like that mafia stereotype where they come in, they make you an offer that you just can't refuse. Right. And if you refuse it, well, guess what? You're not getting paid that tiny amount of money. Um, I guess they own 10% of the world's surface area. So we're even including like ocean area and shit like that. You know, a lot of those areas that, uh, you know, when you go like six miles off the coast, it's like international law, supposedly they own some of that kind of stuff too. Um, they use a lot of their donations, according to the theory, they use uh, donations to ensure that their interests stay in power. And again, they are a Western, uh, proponent, Western civilization proponent. Now it gets kind of muddy here for me personally, where I'm like, okay, are these guys nationalists or are they globalists? Right. It's, uh, one of those things where you can't really figure it out because they do such a good job really muddying the waters as i said um essentially they make sure that their that their power structure um stays in place and it just favors their whole ideals um and that means unfortunately that the third world will continue to suffer as long as the west the west is thriving um now if not the west it'd just be someone else right It's kind of like the whole situation that we have going on here with the green oil. And I'll kind of touch on that in a second here, too, where if we're not drilling oil and making it cheaper for ourselves, someone else is just going to drill that oil. And this earth that we share is still going to be in jeopardy. Right. Um, If it's going to be done, why not do it? 
and why not help your own citizens out is the way that they see it. Obviously, they're pocketing some money, and I'm not trying to shill for them here. But it seems like groups would come about, if not groups like this, okay? Um, There's this great quote from this Belgian banker, uh, Jean-Pierre Van Rossum, or Rossum. I don't know exactly how you pronounce this dude's name, but he says the whole third world is indebted to the banks. And it really is the financial power clicks that keep these nations poor. Why does poverty continue? Because it has a purpose. So, I mean, that little quote there is just riddled with oxymorons, contradictions. I mean, it's, again, you know, the whole third world is indebted to the banks. It's these financial power clicks that keep the nations poor. Why does poverty continue? Because it has a purpose. It's a deep, deep, dark quote. Again, from a Belgian banker, Jean-Pierre Van Rossum. Things like this. I think justify in their own minds why they do what they do. And again, as I stated, they feel like if they don't do it, someone else absolutely will. And that's a scary thought. I mean, it really is, but you know, we don't live in a utopia. I said it several times. Utopia is a place that doesn't exist according to its original name from the Greek empire. Um, Utopia is just not attainable. It's, it's not something that can come to fruition. And uh, it sounds like a great place. Sounds like a good idea. Everyone's happy. No one hurts ever. Um, But, you know, if you never feel pain, if there's no pain in the world, then there's no happiness at the same time. It's one of those things that's just really kind of dark to think about. When you think about the human condition, the human experience, uh, man, unfortunately, some people have to suffer, which sucks. I mean, I, I, I can't even really describe this as well as i'd like to but it's uh it's a tough world that we live in man and people like the 1000 ones are are really really in deep with this shit and i'm mostly going to be talking a lot about their environmental aspects through the wwf because this is their money group the 1001 again really is just the top 1001 members that are loyal to this group and they've been around there's other kind of tiers that were around before them Stemming from the 40s, uh, the WWF was founded in the 60s, actually on 9-11-1961, if I'm not mistaken. If you look online, you'll see April sometime, but then you can do a little more digging and find that it was actually founded on September 11th through a dude that just got completely pushed out because it seemed like what he wanted to do was actually more in the name of, you know, endangered species, um, you know, conserving land actually doing what they say they were doing rather than just laundering money so i'm going to get into it here i want to do a little bit of housekeeping just before we really roll into it and uh man i mean the patreon subscribers really really help me out and i appreciate everything that you guys do patreon.com slash dangerous world i'm going to talk about in this episode depending on where we end off on the hour i have a few members that i'm going to list some of the very controversial ones up front But uh, it seems like all 1,001 of these people are shady as shit. So I'm going to get into them more uh, in the Patreon, talk about a few of them. I picked a few at random. I was trying to do every single one in alphabetical order as it's listed on ISGP. But, uh, I mean, there's just too many people and there's too much to look into in a simple hour and a half long episode. So you'll see 
that there is no, uh, you know, there's nothing on the geopolitical societal spectrum that they don't touch. So I hope uh, that, you know, you'll find this interesting and definitely share some of the information because a lot of these groups that act really, really wholesome on the surface. I mean, think of Bill Gates really quick, right? Bill Gates is one of these dudes that just doesn't at all do what he acts like he's doing. He tries, he makes computers and then he says that he's going to, you know, help with the antivirus shit. Right. And then he starts working on the same, the same system with humans. I mean, eugenics is a big part of his past. It just doesn't add up with the way that he carries himself. You know, he's a different person in the spotlight than he is behind closed doors or in the shadows, so to speak. Right. So, man, I don't know. It's just uh, it's a it's a shitty situation that we have to question all of these organizations that really seem to be doing the right thing. It's like at a certain point, I see why people get so blackpilled. They're like, oh, no, everyone's fucked at the top. There's no good in the world and all this shit. I just refuse to believe that personally. Um, But you will see uh, some interesting stuff here with the undertakings of the WWF and the 1001ers. Uh, so again, patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast, three, five, ten dollars, whatever you got to give. I appreciate that. You get a lot of content over there. Weekly rants under the five dollar tier, ten dollars. We uh, do an extra episode a month. And, uh, you know, those are always fun, too. So usually just two hour long conversations are just fun bullshit. Um, I'm really debating if I want to release my uh, goofy ass bathtub video. I took a bath and uh, started talking about the. Uh, different propaganda methods and i just i I mean it's bad it's either the best piece of content that i've ever created or it's the worst so uh we'll see if that ever comes to light here that's uh i feel like it could be used as like a blackmail video over me because i I don't know if i want that out yet but we'll see we'll see okay um dangerousworldstore.com buy all the merch there support the show that way if you choose lots of cool merchandise for you um, the YouTube channel is growing slowly, a little too slow for my liking, but we're going to have a really cool visual episode over there on the most occult book in the world. I'm actually kind of proud of myself. I introduced um, an occultist to it. So, you know, this is one of the things that is never talked about, and I don't want to spoil it yet because it's not quite ready. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, we'll get there. I think it's going to be the very next episode after this, but fascinating episode. Um, every cryptographer tries to get their hands on this book. And they can't decode it. There's some very, very weird images in the book. Seems like some sort of medicine book or some black magic book. You can't really tell. Um, 40,000 words, allegedly, right? I mean, you don't really know how many words are in a book when you can't read the language. But um, looks like it was written phenomenally fast. And just, a, I don't want to give too much away, but it's a its a crazy, crazy little uh dive in and we're going to do a a visual episode because i have the pages not in my person but um you know i i found the pages online and we're going to go through the visual aspects of this book and uh you know talk about a little bit of the history and all that good shit so that's going to be on youtube so subscribe check that show out or check the uh, channel out and uh that's going to be a fun fun show there's a few episodes up there as well um what else do we have of course the greatest beanie that i've ever had the pleasure of wearing in my life uh operation tinfoil man these are a really really interesting uh little group 
that put together this awesome hat, man. I I know that they're going to start doing some really cool things in the future, but they start off with this dope EMF protective beanie that has silver lining on the inside. You know that there's a lot of harmful effects when it comes to the technology that we use today. Again, we're the first generation that has been around cell phones for the majority of our lives. The generation directly after mine, I'm 31, the generation right after mine has not lived in a, in a world where there's not tons and tons of microwaves going through the atmosphere, right? So what's that going to do to our brains? What's that going to do to our bodies? What's that going to do to the vaccinated? Side note, I actually heard a really, really interesting theory that if we do fall into some sort of nuclear conflict with the situation going on with Russia and Ukraine, Vaccinated people have the spike protein, and the spike protein supposedly makes it so that you have a 90% less chance of surviving than someone that does not have a spike protein injected in their bloodstream. Um, I don't understand everything to it, but I do know that when you take a shower, uh, if you if you have you know experienced some sort of radio contact, radioactive content. If you take a shower and use body soap and shampoo, you're good. But if you use conditioner because of the proteins in the conditioner, you're fucked. So, you know, there's something to this spike protein theory. And, uh, man, wouldn't that be a nefarious plan if the vaccines were just to prime the population for nuclear fallout? That's dark. That's very, very dark. But it's, I mean, we can't put anything past these people. Uh, so anyway, back to Operation Tinfoil. If you go to weartinfoil.com, you can get $10 off this awesome beanie that will protect your brain from all the harmful stuff going on in the atmosphere right now. Um, it's a weird time, man. It's a very, very weird time. And there are some other companies that make these kinds of hats, but these hats seem to be the absolute best from what I've seen, at least. They're very thick. They're insulative. Um, they just do the job, dude. I love, love Operation Tinfoil. Again, go to wearetinfoil.com. At least check out the site. Um, the dude's a great guy, and he put a lot of work into getting these beanies made the right way. And I just couldn't be happier to work with a small startup like this that uh, is actually trying to do some good in the world. Instead of just trying to make a dollar, they're doing good stuff, man. Um, so anyway, again, wearetinfoil.com. $10 off this top quality, high level hat, dude. I love this thing. Wear tinfoil.com. Um, back to the 1001s, okay, and the WWF. Now, when it comes to their members, again, I mentioned that every single one of these is very controversial. All the people are weird, dude. Every one of these guys that's involved, and ladies, there's a few ladies, um, but their connections to each other are weird too. Um, some of the weirdest, we're talking Prince Bernhard, the German nobleman consort of Queen Juliana of the Netherlands. Okay. Now he started this group. He started the 1001 and the WWF. And he also started the Bilderberg group. Now he didn't start the WWF alone. You'll recognize the name when I bring him up here in just a second. Infamous globalist. But uh, Prince Bernhard, if you look into any one of these people that I mentioned in the past, riddled with conspiracy and riddled with some, some nefarious shit, for sure. You have Robert Vesco, the CIA drug smuggler and fugitive banker 
who was convicted of securities fraud before fleeing south uh fleeing to south america so i mean y- you got it all right there you got cia connection you got drug smuggling you got fugitive banking securities fraud and then just totally bailing out and you know that they can find these people if they really want to but they just didn't want to find robert vesco okay now you also have pakistani agha abedi who you might remember from my bcci episode he was the founder of that bank um and just a refresher that was a cia deepest of deep state connected scam bank that ran massive massive pyramid schemes um at the time it was the biggest bust um, I don't know if it's the biggest today still. Um, I don't remember what I uh, came across when I was researching that, but I just know that you have like Bush connections, you have Nazi connections, you have Mossad connections. Name an organization, and they're connected to BCCI, and you see that repeated when you go through the members of the 1001. Now, Salem bin Laden, yes, this is Osama's older brother. I believe they're half-brothers. But what's interesting about this dude is that he died in a plane crash after the BCCI scandal broke, and he died in 1988, again, in a plane crash. And um, he was a massive shareholder of this bank and also a business partner of the Bushes. Remember, we were always hearing back when this went down that the Bushes were actually close to the Bin Laden family. It was through this Salem Bin Laden, who, again, is a member of this really weird environmentalist group. Seems like they do everything but protect the environment. Mortimer Bloomfield, who, you know, I wasn't familiar with, but I know who Permendix is, and he founded Permendix. This is a very, very shady holding company who allegedly hosted a meeting with Alan Dulles and other deep state big wigs to clip clip JFK, to clip the CIA. So they wanted to shoot JFK, basically, okay? Um, And I think, you know, from my knowledge of history, they actually got away with it. Uh, but, you know, it's weird because you also have a Trump connection in there. Trump was the CEO for one of their subsidiaries. Um, it's called Hotels International, which sounds a lot like Business International. It was a place that uh, Obama supposedly worked. And, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, Mortimer fella was an FBI CIA Zionist agent. So this is kind of implying that he was a Mossad double agent. And uh, he may have been at the very top of the JFK assassination. H.W. Bush gets the blame. During a, in a lot of these conspiratorial circles, uh, I, even the um, well, I don't want to throw this massive company under the bus because they actually seem like decent people. But there's a big company out there that makes coffee. And one of the people uh, believes that H.W. Uh, Bush had some some serious connection with uh, with this whole deal, which, you know, he no doubt had a connection. But at the top, I, I tend to feel like it was Bloomfield. This is just my feeling. I'm not saying that this is facts. But, um, you know, when you're the founder of Herm Index and they're hosting meetings with Alan Dulles, I don't know, man. You got to know something. Of course, Prince Philip. Okay, Prince Philip was involved with this whole thing, too. Rest in peace. Uh, the list goes on and on. And again, I will get into them later. Um, but there are 1,001 members, as I mentioned. Again, each donating $10,000 to get in. And then they get to travel the world in the name of conservationism. That's a hard word for me to say. Um, You know, when you're sitting there and you're acting like you're protecting the world and just doing everything but, there's something really dark about that. So, um, again, you know, don't ask me how you can even travel the world 
for $10,000. Um, I think that that $10,000, you're probably doing something else to get involved. You're probably getting some protection, uh, a sense of exclusivity, probably, uh, you know, there's like some sort of brotherly love going on there. Hopefully we can get a better idea of what the uh, money goes to after this episode. And I'm really interested to hear uh, what your thoughts are uh, when we're all done with this. Um, but it really is the most controversial conservationist club on the planet. And that sounds like the worst show ever. If you're saying it's a con- controversial conservationist club. Uh, again, you'll get the picture. Okay. Um, before I roll into them too, too much, I want to talk about this worldwide foundation for nature. Okay. Again, founded in 1961. Now it's referred to as the World Wildlife Fund in the United States and in Canada. That was the original name. Again, still called that in the U.S. and Canada, but now the name has changed to World Wild, Worldwide, Worldwide Foundation for Nature. Um, this was preceded by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources. Okay, uh, I'm just going to call it the IUCN because, as you can tell, I cannot pronounce Back-to-back words with more than three syllables. It's very difficult for me. Um, But the International Union for the Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources, right? This is back in 1948 when this whole thing started. Now, both of these groups were founded by Julian Huxley. Julian Huxley, of course, the brother of Aldous Huxley, globalist brothers. I mean, this guy, you know, this is a, a weird little family here. Um, but the WWF creation is is kind of complicated. There's a Czech refugee named Victor Stolen, and his name, last name, is really fitting, actually. Um, he was involved with the foundation of the WWF. And I have a few theories on this guy. Um, Victor Stolen really came up with the idea of the WWF, and he wrote to Huxley this germ of the idea. From what I understand, these are articles. Okay. Now there were some things saying that that they were different. Uh, you know, pieces of writing. They seem like articles from what I understand. It was very difficult for me to actually find concrete evidence of what it was, but I'm I'm going with the idea that, that the germ of idea of the idea is articles uh, just written to this dude. He was basically arguing on behalf of endangered species. Okay. And later stolen was pushed out of the meetings and isn't even listed as a founder. Okay, even though it was his idea to really do this. Now, Huxley's excuse for excluding him was just that, uh, you know, he was an enthusiastic but impractical advocate for animal rights. Okay, what's interesting, though, is that Stolen died shortly after being pushed out. So a lot of pieces kind of fallen in place, right? I mean, this dude, Julian Huxley, has the uh, International Union for the Conservation of Natural and nature and natural resources. And then this fucking asshole, Victor Stolen, comes up with the idea of the WWF, the Worldwide Foundation for Nature. It's the same damn thing. Why would Julian Huxley allow this guy to start this whole this whole rival of this great, what I think is a money laundering thing? I think that there was and possibly still is some serious money laundering going on with the IUCN, which again, this is this is still in existence today, but you have the WWF, which is really the main attraction and the main, uh, you know, the one in the spotlight, I should say. But, um, you know, Huxley didn't like the idea of an actual conservation group coming 
with pure intentions, right? I think that Huxley agreed to start the WWF was stolen. And then in a roundabout way, absorb it into the IUCN, take the name of the more catchy, uh, easier to fucking pronounce way to say things, right? I mean, the World Wildlife Fund is a lot easier than the International Union for the Conservation of Nature and Natural Resources. Nailed it. But you see what I'm saying? That they take they take this thing and adopt it into their scheme. And then they're just kind of cleared of all the bullshit. That's my theory. Okay. Now it gets a lot deeper here. As I said, the, U, the uh, IUCN is still around today. And it's an NGO under the UNESCO umbrella. UNESCO, you might have heard that, of course. UNESCO is, of course, the UN Education and Cultural Organization, which Julian was the first director general of, Julian Huxley. I mean, even though I I know this and I took these notes, it's just interesting to hear. You know, globalism has had these supporters and these critics since the idea came to the public. In my opinion, with the creation of the UN after World War II. um, So, again, maybe having a major UN connected environmental group and another one posing as a, you know, quote unquote outsider. This would be an effective method of pushing the agenda of conservationalism with some nefarious undertones to the uh, to the entire group now because it is suspicious when you see successful organizations splinter and continue doing the same work under a uh, you know different name uh, i mean this is this is another reason why they would be just fucking splitting i mean you see this with google right you see this with google you see that you know they they go to alphabet right pfizer is now doing all the stuff with their vaccine production it's being moved to a separate entity from what i understand than like the rest of the company you know pfizer doesn't just make vaccines they make all kinds of pharmaceuticals why would huxley agree to start a competitor to his own iucn I, i i again i guess it's a better question why wouldn't he if he had the intention to you know sort of take it under Now, UNESCO, this is shady as shit, right? The U.S. has pulled out twice of UNESCO, once in the 80s, and currently today, we're not part of UNESCO. It's widely called, even by liberals, a New World Information and Communication Order. Again, this is by liberals, even here in the United States. A New World Order, a New World Information and Communication Order. Huh, interesting. Even liberals don't like that too much, huh? If liberals don't like a globalist group, maybe there's some shit that you're doing wrong there. Now, this is an episode all on its own, UNESCO. I don't, I don't want to get too much into them, but let's just say that uh, they say one thing and do the opposite with taxpayer dollars. Damn, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds very familiar. It's kind of like our government does that too. Again, these are NGOs, so they're not technically government, non-governmental organizations, but damn, they take pages out of the government book. Very, very interesting. Now, my theory regarding the WWF is that they were taken in by the IUCN and they have the same organization outside of UNESCO as one that is inside of UNESCO. One thing that lends uh, to the whole Agenda 2030 thing with the IUCN, in my opinion, is that they care about preserving nature more than protecting the indigenous people who live in harmony with their environment. They have done so for generations. And really, you can say the same for the WWF, but they're meant to look like the more wholesome version of this IUCN, 
with their cute little panda logo, which I mean, you know, the, the panda logo could be like some sort of pe- pedophile reference um, with that whole gross panda eye thing. I mean, it's disgusting to think about, you know, nothing is wholesome in this world, even a damn panda you can't look at and not think these things when you know the symbolism's there. Um, and something I'll explore here in a bit is that um, here's that that you know one of the two organizations could be heavily involved with human trafficking I'm not saying one of two to be vague i just don't know which one and i'm not saying that both can't be and i'm not saying that either one really is i'm just saying that they could be involved with human trafficking being all over the world in the same you know places these war torn places um all in the name of preservation and going to these indigenous populations to supposedly work with them, but then they they always end up getting the better deal, right? How did these third world populations stand a chance negotiating with colonialism? I mean, you know, I, you know me, I'm not some some big anti-American. I'm not anti-West in any means, but I mean, globalism just doesn't seem to be the move. It doesn't seem to be what's good for the globe. I mean, they as you know, the Belgian banker that I mentioned, poverty has a purpose, right? Now, if there's more poverty, is that going to make these rich people more, more successful? I would say so. I would say that they would be more effective. The more poor people there are, the more power goes in a few and fewer and fewer hands. And then they can really just run shop on everybody instead of just, you know, a third of the world, they have, you know, 80% of the world or so. So, Government and nature groups, obviously, they've been really tied in intimately at the highest levels. Um, in my opinion, at least, at least since Theodore Roosevelt in the turning of the 20th century, right? I mean, he was elected, I think, in like 1902 or 04 or something like that. Um, Theodore Roosevelt, of course, was very, very much into conservationism and just uh, just making sure that shit fucking, that the environment, I mean, he was kind of the one that really spawned the idea from what I understand of agenda 21, which, you know, becomes agenda 2030, uh, just with his whole idea of trying to make corridors for nature preserves. Right. He wanted the essentially 90% of land to be nature preserves. And then he wanted, you know, the 10% of remaining livable land to have these mega cities in, I mean, think of judge dread, the movie uh, or the comic book, whatever. And all these people live in these towering cities and buildings are now cities, right? That's kind of what I think these people kind of lean to and what they want. Um, but I mean, it would make sense for rich businessmen and government officials to travel the world on behalf of a group like the WWF, just to meet with the leaders of the third world countries, right? And these protected lands so that they could like sort of schmooze these people. They're with a credible group backed by the UN uh, in the WWF's case, they're outside the UN. But again, that shit is getting channeled right into the IUCN, which is part of UNESCO. I can't stress that enough. It's a very, very dark group. And with the WWF clearly having a tie there, right? It's all funneling back to the same dudes. It's all funneling back to the 1001. So um, this just kind of allows them to expand their business. These businessmen, of course, allows them to expand their shit. Um, obtain resources from these areas. I don't know. I mean, even though, you know, a lot of these 1001 and WWF members already have access to mineral rights through their businesses, through their corporations, just through the damn government that they work for, they have a lot of rights to resources and things. 
especially in third world areas. I mean, it's, it's uh, one of the things that I think really was, you know, same as the pilgrims when these guys came up in the early 1900s, they were really making moves. And I think that everything is like just snowballed to a point where they don't even need to do much anymore. It's gotten to the point now where they can just kind of coast, but how we get here, I think that it's because of groups like this. So um, they have these big oil connections. They have shipping empires that run through these, these poor countries and um, they just get bigger and bigger, dude. So, you know, also one thing that I should mention is hardly any third world leaders are really a part of these groups themselves. There is one who I will mention um, that seems to be very influential, almost to the point where it's like, dude, is this guy the fucking leader of this damn thing? Um, Obviously not. It's Bernhard. But I mean, again, this is what's on paper. This is what we can prove. Usually the leaders of these kind of nefarious groups don't put their names out there so much, right? So I don't know. And you would kind of be taken back to think that this, you know, African leader, you know, a black African leader over South America, if I'm not mistaken, um, just really kind of controlling this whole organization. Maybe I'm completely wrong with my analysis here. And maybe it's this dude that's on top. So I don't know. Um, but as I kind of mentioned earlier, there are massive, massive land grabs that are, um, propping established countries up, I think, and kind of keeping the third world down. And that's what makes the most sense, um, you know, kind of regarding these land grabs. I, I, I think that, uh, you know, literally just Western governments are trying to make sure that the Earth's resources go to the West. I think that that's all that that is. Um, but obviously some people get taken advantage of in the meantime. You can be happy about that as a Western citizen, or you can feel bad for the people um, that our government kind of takes advantage of and takes these resources from. But the resources will be taken by some strong empire either way. Just remember that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if it makes your conscience feel better. If it's not your government, you are not your government. I'm not my government. Now, yes, we've been benefiting in this country, in the United States, and in the West as a whole. We've been benefiting by our government's ravenous methods of taking these things but dude someone else will and it's kind of looking like fucking russia's about to start doing this shit if we don't get our stuff together here so you know those third world countries unfortunately kind of just seem to be doomed to be exploited and it's not good i'm not saying it's a good thing but it's going to happen man if we stop doing it another country will just take our place um and it's not just the united states it's these globalist groups that seem to have real loyalty to either israel or england the crown specifically right it's weird it's a, it's a tough thing to swallow but i, I think that it's it's 100% accurate now it's kind of like our oil situation in the west like i was mentioning right we stopped our pipelines and literally funded russia's and the environment continues to get fucked but the only difference is we spend more money on the gas this is liberal logic baby this is liberal logic Put your fucking head in the sand. And if we're not doing the crime, no one's committing the crime against nature or against humanity or whatever. I'm not saying that our government should commit crimes against humanity. I'm not saying any government should, but it's going to happen. Taking resources. What did Saddam Hussein say? He said Iraqi oil is for Iraqis. Got fucking killed for that. Yeah, it seems like it makes sense. It seems like it makes sense to keep your resources for your people. But when you're going against the big dick of the United States or what used to be big, it's shrinking now. I mean, you got to kind of check your tone, buddy. You know what I mean? 
And it's, it's crazy to think about, but it is exactly what it is. Now, uh, hopping back to this, this land grab stuff, there's two classes of nature preserves. To specifically to these people, okay, specifically to the 1001ers and anyone that's trying to go out and grab land in the name of natural resource preservation or animal preservation or whatever. So two types um, when they're going and taking land from locals. One is nature parks and two is strategic parks. And they're both exactly what they sound like. Nature parks are preserves where locals are kicked out to protect mineral rights usually. Strategic parks pretend to be the exact same thing. When you're, when you're trying to acquire a strategic park, you're not going in and you're saying, hey, we need this area for military purposes or for whatever, right? You go into a strategic park, you pretend that it's a nature park, but you're actually setting up a strategic military area that governments pretend have rare resources underground. Now, meanwhile, drills are ran, military drills are ran. And they are occupied by military forces. Sometimes they're trained, you know. Um, oftentimes strategic parks will actually be really like very, very close to rich diamond mines and things like this. And um, possibly next to enemy territories or just, you know, these areas that could benefit the occupying force in the event of any kind of conflict. That's why the United States occupies a lot of land around the world. Um, Canada does it. The crown countries do it. Uh, it's a strategic method if you think about it and it is wrong i'm not going to say it's not wrong but again other countries would do it you know think about how how pissed off putin got recently with this whole situation uh you know nato trying to expand and he put his foot down i'm not saying it's right but at a certain point you know you got to understand it if china started building missiles here or or in mexico or or trying to grab land in mexico i should say which they are doing. They're just not doing it the same way NATO is. They're not as powerful as NATO is, I would venture to say. But um, we had something to say about it during the Cuban Missile Crisis, right? Fidel was uh, down to work with the Russians, and the United States just did not like that. It's caused a whole scare, kind of like what we're going through today. It's just reversed, it seems. It seems. But interesting shit. Now, um, yeah, it's weird. So, there's, there's this really, really uh, crazy concept that, that goes down with these. They, you know, people that expose the facts of what's going on here um, at much higher levels than me. I'm not saying like, oh, I'm fucking, I hope I, nothing happened. It's not like that. There's people in the 90s that were talking about this shit. There's this 10 pence in the panda documentary. It's 1990 was when this came out. This is from Irish journalist Kevin Dowling. And in it, it, he exposes how ineffective the WWF really is and how, really how much it was ineffective. And I'm sure that they just shaped into something else, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, shit like this. You know what I mean? Um, but he exposed how, how ineffective the WWF is in protecting endangered animals. And it seemed like it was, uh, you know, kind of not exposing as much as he could have in the film. And the reason that I say that, because after the film was released, he received a ton of pushback from high, high up places. I mean, we're talking high levels of government, uh, threatening phone calls, threatening messages and shit like that. Um, he dropped the real shit after these threats and to, to prove the corruption of the 1001 and the WWF. Now, I guess it came out that people living in these newly acquired preserves under these groups that, um, 
you know, they were kept in really, really inhumane conditions. And they could even be executed on sight is what I heard. Okay. Again, allegedly, I can't stress allegedly enough because again, this is a weird group. And um, this is just the shit that I read to what I deem a credible source. Wanted to share it. Um, Now, was it the members of the 1001 that were doing the executing? I don't know. Was it like, this is what your $10,000 gets you. You get to go in and you can fuck with these people that really can't say anything. They can't stand up for themselves. Right. You get 10,000 bucks. You get to say, hey, I want to go here and I want to shoot a native <laughs> or I want to go here and I want to kill a black rhino. Because, again, this guy exposed that stuff, not the shooting of the people by the 1,001ers. But I mean, like I said, I can't say that it was them 100 percent, but they were going out and they were allowed to kill the black rhino, the elephant and possibly even pandas. OK. Now, again, these are the same animals that they were supposed to be taking money and resources to protect. It's a crazy concept. Again, say one thing, do the opposite. Dowling also exposed that these folks were involved in illegal ivory and fur trades around the world. And it doesn't stop there, okay? Those natural preserves that I mentioned, housing militias, well, he alleges that those militias helped perpetuate apartheid in South Africa as well. Crazy. Now, as you can guess, this individual was killed, okay? He died shortly after all this stuff. Um, it's weird. Even when you look up Kevin Dowling, you'll get an American filmmaker, but there was an Irish journalist named Kevin Dowling who is now dead after talking about the shit that they were doing. This is back in the 90s when this came out. Weird, weird shit, okay? Um, there was also a Dutch attorney named Jay Wilgers, who began looking into the claims made by Dowling. And he came to the conclusion that the 1001 and the WWF are fronts for British neocolonialism. Go fucking figure. But he goes deeper. He mentions the Julian Huxley, Huxley connection and how the Huxleys were always motivated to preserve nature. And they both had deep, deep connections with British government officials, obviously. I mean, we kind of know this. Um, but according to Wilgers, Huxley was able to convince even black African leaders that black people as a whole, whether they're in the United States, whether they're in Jamaica, whether they're in fucking Africa, all black people are natural born killers. He was able to convince these people. Now, maybe there was some money involved, and I'm sure that there was. Um, But this gives serious eugenics undertones here, right? I mean, it's like, let's protect your bountiful country. Both you and I kind of know. That your people ruin shit. So let's just protect your shit. Let's make it, you know, let's make it thrive. And, um, you know, we, we don't want to give them any, any kind of ability to gain wealth or, or to populate because the world will just go to shit if we let these people produce. It's a horrible thought. It's, it, it even feels sick coming out of my mouth, but this is literally what these guys were saying, right? Um, now, he also came to the conclusion, Wilgers, that is, came to the conclusion that the WWF was created solely to gather funds for the IUCN. Oh, okay. So remember I was thinking that the IUCN and the WWF were completely intertwined and they were brought in under Huxley's little umbrella of UNESCO for that purpose. Makes sense here. So that could be the real reason of the Huxley uh, decision to keep the the startup going and, uh, you know, help this group which on the surface looks like a rival organization to his own IUCN. 
again, established 20 years earlier. So this is a pretty darn well-established thing. And then this WWF comes in and takes some of the glory. Kind of interesting. So um, with the West success being almost solely based off of access to cheap wholesale amounts of oil, uh, rubber, metals, other commodities like that, the 1001 works to obtain and keep connections with third world areas. So today it kind of seems like we're kind of in the process of losing many of those connections. You got the British Conservative Party member, Sir Julian Amory, and head of the uh, Le Cercle, which is another little known uh, society with British loyalty. He stated that um, the West cannot stand to lose the connection to resources. It's just plain and simple. And anyone knowledgeable with the inner workings of the Western Empire would probably agree with that. They might lie to you, but it's kind of a well-known fact. This is kind of what we are based on. And we got to the point where now we're just exporting all of our jobs. And no one makes anything here anymore other than like fucking missiles. You know, no one really says it that much is what I'm getting at. They just, it's kind of like a, a, you know, little talked about secret. And I guess that's how we got here today. It's because it's not talked about. It's because it's not talked about. And it should be more so, right? Um, weird little group, right? I mean, it's a very, very fascinating group to me. Fascinating. There's multiple NGOs that are kind of involved with these guys too. And I think that with the help of the Huxleys, I mean, Aldous Huxley was very influential. He wrote Brave New World. Um, big, big technocratic family. I mean, you have the African Wildlife Foundation. This is another NGO. Um, you have Bioma. You have the Club of Rome, right? Everyone knows about them a little bit. Earth Council Alliance, Natural Resources Council of America, Peace Parks Foundation, Rodesta, uh, and Nyasaland Club. Uh, I'll read about that a little bit because I don't even know what that is. 1001 Club members Harry Oppenheimer and Sidney Spiro dined at the club Julian Amory. Hmm. I don't know what the fuck that is. So this is the guy that I was just mentioning. Head of Le Cercle. Um, they went there as uh okay. So yeah, this is a, a pilgrim society connected entity. Um, apparently just like a dining club or who knows what they're eating. You also have the South African foundation. Now the South African foundation turned out, I believe to be very, very pro apartheid. Um, survival and Angelia. Sorry, this is small text that I'm looking at the website. Again, this is ISGP. Um, I'll post the link directly to what I'm looking at here because it's a pretty complicated site. And everything's very long-winded on this site. So that's why when I'm doing research based off of this site, I feel like I I can cut a lot of shit out. Um, it's, it's a great site for resources, but I mean, damn, it is fucking... He writes a 4,000-word a, a thing that could just be like 20 words. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot of opinions in there and things like that. And I actually got, had to go to a few other websites to find really the uh, Victor Stolen, uh, you know, the original creator of WWF. So not everything comes from this site. Um, but you also have the Wildlife Conservation Society. And then you have the Zoological Societies of New York and London. Pilgrim Society out the fucking wazoo right there. Okay. Now. I didn't mention the WWF Worldwide Foundation because that's just the the uh, you know Hong Kong 
to South America connection. I mean, the, every freaking country that has anything to do with Western ideology links up with the WWF worldwide, which is just a larger group of WWF. So, you know, there's some shit that they're up to, man. Um, I'm going to get into some of these members. We're ranging from freaking uh, Vatican apologists, you know, like the rapists, like people that are devout, devout Catholics that work for the rape hotline for the Vatican, which there is one, I guess, specifically in the Netherlands, um, CIA drug smugglers, uh, diamond smugglers, nuclear smugglers, uh, fraudsters in, in the financial sector. I mean, they run the gamut and they're from all over the world. Pakistan, which is where BCCI Pakistani bankers started that with the help of CIA and Mossad. Mossad connections, CIA connections, uh, Opus Dei connections. It runs the freaking gamut. Okay. So I want to run into these guys right now. We're going to talk about them. And uh, God, there's some shady fucks in this group. So here we go. Starting off with um, a Betty. Okay, Abedi is the guy that started the BCCI. He's a co-founder. His name is Agha Hassan Abedi, co-founder and chairman of BCCI, CIA crony, and he helped them launder tons and tons of money. Okay, this is what helped BCCI become the largest bank fraud ever. You know what to do, people. If you're not already a member of Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast, head over there. And I'm going to talk more about the members of the 1001, the WWF, the IUCN, all the Opus Day connections, the Jesuit connections. It goes on and on and on. Very, very interesting stuff. I hope to see you over there, guys. Thanks for your support.